Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. And where'd you get those pajamas? You're not going anywhere dressed like that. Do you like it strong? Uh, yeah, strong is good. Perspective is what shuts out the universe. Everyone with their little perspective. Our preachers preach of evil fates. Teachers teach that knowledge waits can lead to hundred dollar plates. Goodness hides behind its gates. But even the president of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked. And if my thought dreams could be seen, they'd probably put my head in a guillotine. But it's all right, Ma. It's life and life only. This is a very interesting thing for me. I mean, you're the first person who's asked to interview me, so <laughs> it's all very odd right at the moment. I've had many years here in Winnipeg where I've enjoyed just having a very quiet situation, so with this publication of Dismantling by Non-Duality Press, it's kind of bringing a new situation here, so it's all rather curious. The Urban Guru Cafe continues to present clear speakers on the subject of non-duality. This week, Aretti speaks with Daryl Bailey. You obviously have been through a lot of practice schools, and I'm just kind of wondering, now you're obviously talking about the direct message, and I'm wondering how you can reconcile that. What's the significance of the preceding journey? of all this meditation you did? There really isn't any significance. I mean, there really wasn't any journey. I mean, this is a storyline that we manufacture or the thought manufactures, but there is always and always only has been um, a totally inexplicable, unfathomable event. And uh, that's the event of this moment. It's the vibrant, pulsing, warming, cooling, sounding, silencing, lightning, darkening, happening of this moment. So, for instance, with this telephone conversation, it seems as though it's Areti talking with Daryl, but that's a storyline. If you were one hour old, if you were just out of the womb, you wouldn't have a storyline for this event. You could put a baby on the end of the telephone with me, and I could start asking the baby all kinds of questions or say things to the baby, but the baby would have no comprehension of any storyline. There would just be an event taking place that's totally inexplicable, totally unfathomable. And that's all there ever is. So, you know, whatever appears to come before this sense of things is really just a fantasy. It's just a storyline. Nobody really has any experience of anything other than the present moment. Nobody ever lives in the past or lives in the future. There's only the event of the present moment. And that's a totally inexplicable event. Part of the event are these apparent storylines. And the storylines arise, and they seem to be hinged upon the perception of form. And it's a very odd thing because, I mean, when we look out, like I'm not sure where you are right now, you're probably sitting in a room, and you're looking around you and you see forms. But it's also the case that somewhere in your life you've made the comment that everything changes. And pretty much everybody you've ever known has made that comment that everything changes. So there's this odd discrepancy between the perception of form and the sense that life is actually movement. You know, for an infant coming out of the womb, there's just simply a vibrant event. There's no strong sense of form uh, and there's no definition 
of form. There's no labeling of form. There's simply a very vibrant, pulsing event. I mean, there's really no, there's really nothing to reconcile. I mean, the so-called awakening is simply the falling away of this storyline and the falling away of a sense of form, the falling away, uh, like a belief in form. It's not the falling away of a sense of form, because we always have the sense that there are forms. But there's just no longer any belief in that uh, perception, because there's an underlying sense that everything is movement. So, you know, the house you're sitting in, if it wasn't maintained, it would grow old, turn to dust, and blow away. Mm -hmm. And you don't have the sense that it would stay brand new for 200 years and then grow old and disappear overnight. You have the sense that it's growing old right now. Mm. So it's not even a particular form right now. And you see, this is actually essentially what meditation uh, relates to because as we look around, visually we have this sense of form because the visual elements are changing very slowly. Most of them are changing very slowly. So it gives the impression of stability. But if you lower your gaze away from visual elements, or if you close your eyes totally, what happens is the gut level sense of life being a vibrant dance becomes incredibly apparent because with your eyes closed, there's just sounds coming and going, Thoughts coming and going, moods coming and going, vibration, pulsation, a little twinge here, a little twinge there, a little shift here, a little shift there. Mm. And all of it's happening spontaneously. It's a gut-level, visceral sense that life is movement itself and that there is no particular form. And so with that gut-level sense of things, when you open your eyes, you can start to consider, well, these things that I'm seeing, do I have the sense that they're remaining exactly the same, that they're unchanging? Or do I have the sense that they're changing slowly? Mm. And little by little, there's a falling out of this illusion of form and more of a gut-level sense that life is movement. And then the other aspect of it is that if you sit still, if you sit and do absolutely nothing, make no effort at all, your life happens anyway. Mm-hmm. The whole process that you are happens anyway. And so ultimately what comes from this or what arises from this is just the sense that it's a totally inexplicable movement accomplishing itself. And you're not anything separate from that movement. There is only the one big event of the moment. And so, you know, whatever appeared to come before, whatever the storyline was before, whether it seems like it took you a lifetime of meditation practice to get to this point, or it seemed like you just went to a talk and heard somebody talk about it and it became apparent, or whether or not it just seemed to be happening by accident doesn't really matter. All of those storylines are totally false. They're totally a fantasy. So there really isn't anything to reconcile. The belief in the storyline that anything has actually been occurring or anything describable has actually been occurring, just falls away. And it's just, what's left is the totally inexplicable, indefinable, unfathomable event of the moment. And the thought lines, the storylines are simply part of that. Now 
Now this drifter's world goes round and round And I doubt that it's ever gonna stop But of all the dreams I've lost or found And all that I ain't got I still need to link to Somebody I can sing to Obviously, you did do a lot of meditation and you would have had a lot of teaching or pointing in this. Uh, were there any particularly profound pointers that you heard right from the beginning that not really helped you, but that you think might be helpful for others? Pretty much in all of these traditions. So it didn't matter whether I looked into a Hindu tradition or it seemed as though I was looking into a Hindu tradition or a Taoist tradition or a Buddhist tradition or a Christian tradition. It seemed to be the main point was the acknowledgement of movement, that everything is movement. You know, the Taoists call it the way. So, you know, a rough translation might be the current, the flow. That's some kind of innate element. It lies at the heart of everything. You know, for instance, in the Ashtavakra Gita, I mean, they're talking about the unformed ocean of existence. And they're just simply saying outright that if it's not seen clearly, a rope may seem to be a snake. Mm. And if it's not seen clearly, a mirage may seem to be really water. And in the same way, if it's not seen clearly, the totally formless, indefinable event of this moment may seem to be a bunch of people in a world of suffering. Mm. So, I mean, this is a very direct pointing. Often, I mean, people are often trying to make this much more difficult than it actually is. They're thinking that there's some secret hidden element here that has to be found, that has to be sought out, but it's apparent all the time. I mean, we all walk around complaining that everything is changing. We all walk around complaining that everything is formless. And somehow, you know, in this whole event, I mean, there's no way to explain any of it, but somehow in the midst of that, there seems to be very little acknowledgement that that's all there actually is, is Mm -hmm. this movement. And that everything we are is also that movement. Mm -hmm. So because there isn't any acknowledgement of it, we walk around saying, oh, you know, the government's really going down the tubes, the climate is really going down the tubes, my body just isn't hanging together the way it used to, I'm getting older, I can't seem to remember things the way I used to. Mm. So there's this complaint about the dance of life. Mm. And so it's this very odd situation of, on one hand, acknowledging the dance all the time through complaints. Mm but never actually acknowledging it because the only reason the complaint exists is that we're resisting the dance. We're not acknowledging the dance. Mm. There is only the dance. Yeah, it's like we try to fixate something in time and space to give it some truth, you know. It's like Exactly. Yeah. And the really interesting thing is none of that is a mistake either. It's all Mm. simply part of the dance. And so, you know, ultimately... The sense for me is simply that there is always only a totally inexplicable, unfathomable event. Mm -hmm. And even these storylines about awakening are just fantasy. You know, in that, what seems to happen is simply 
the belief in the storyline simply seems to melt away. Mm. And what left is what has always been. There's just the happening of this moment. We can say, we can tell a story that it's a Retty talking to Daryl, but there's absolutely no way of comprehending what's happening in this moment. Mm. And yet it's just happening. Yep. You know, even if we make no effort at all. You know, so within all of these traditions, that seemed to be a really strong point. And I mean, you know, if we want to use my storyline, I grew up on a farm in the early years and, you know, at the age of seven, standing on the edge of my grandfather's grain fields, there was just this strong sense of the large event of the moment, that it was just one event and that it was somehow animated. I would see the the grain waving in the wind and it just seemed like everything was a living event which wasn't a big deal at age seven but then at 14 I had that same sense and at that point that just prompted and seemed to prompt an incredible investigation throughout a lifetime but you know now all of that's just fantasy yes how many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man How many seas must the white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned The answer, my friend is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind Yeah, people always say that meditation and all of those kinds of things don't actually need to come before it you know it's like um, someone's already giving you the water to drink why must you go climbing down that ravine to get the water I've already brought up for you but I kind of wonder sometimes whether it doesn't help somehow in the play of things because it does actually let the mind go quiet uh, yes and even the people who are saying you don't need meditation are sitting there quietly with you in a room and they'll begin to question the event of the moment which really is the essential element of meditation. Yeah. Now, I mean, this word meditation is really uh, distorted. Or used in very different ways to mean very different things. Exactly, and that's what I mean by distorted. Everybody has a different idea of what meditation is. So when we use the word meditation, we really have to be clear uh, as to what we're actually speaking about. And most of the time, people make simply broad sweeping statements about meditation and yet as you point out that word is used in a million different ways and people seldom seem to clarify what it is they're meaning by the word meditation and when they make a comment on somebody else's use of the word they very seldom clarify what that person's use of the word actually is One of the 
things that becomes very evident is that, and it's and this is evident to everyone. Like the things I'm talking about, these these are not strange things that I'm talking about. This is a simple acknowledgement of what everybody talks about all the time, but they just don't acknowledge. It doesn't require some weird state of concentration or some altered state of mind. It's just a simple acknowledgement of things we make comment on all the time. So, for instance. There's been this long-standing sense that everything in nature is a unique expression. So you can't find any two snowflakes the same. You can't find any two leaves the same. You can't find any two trees the same. You can't find any two people with the same breath rate, the same skin composition. You know, now they're thinking the easiest way to identify a human being is their skin composition mm. because it's so radically different from each and every other human being, so-called human being. And yet... We make this assumption that this awakening is going to take place in one way or that, you know, there's one method uh, for this to occur or there's one apparent way for this to occur. But I mean, this is totally absurd. I have never met or never heard of any two so-called awakened beings that were the same. They had radically different personalities. They had radically different ways of expressing themselves. And there was no way around that. Because in this totally inexplicable event, each and every one of them is a unique expression. And in the same way, the the actual so-called awakening that they went through, I can't find any two depictions of that awakening that are identical. So I have, you know, I know of people who went through a lifetime of meditation, apparently went through a lifetime of meditation, and this awakening occurred. But I mean, within the traditions, I mean, out of the hundreds of thousands of people that have been doing (laughs) arduous Mm. meditation practice, the so-called awakening only occurs once in a while. So obviously, it doesn't have much to do with the practice. Mm. But those people did practice, apparently did practice, and the awakening occurred. Mm. However, it's also the case that people who never did any practice had these awakenings. Of course. So Einstein was one. Mm. David Bohm was another. I heard of, you know, I've read of people who, like one man came to this awakening while having sex in a brothel. Mm. (laughs) There was a young girl in Japan who was dying, and in the process of dying, she just began to speak to everyone of the immensity of existence, Mm. that that, that's all there is. And, I mean, Rama Maharshi is the classic example. I mean, he's 16 years old, and all of a sudden, it just feels like he's dying, so he thinks, oh, well, let's just see where this leads. (laughs) And then the whole sense of being separate from the event of existence melts away, Mm. and from that point on, there's just the inexplicable happening of the moment. He doesn't have a belief that he's separate from it. The image of form and their descriptions, that still seems to come and go, but there's no essential belief in that, because the happening, like the storyline itself, just becomes an inexplicable event presenting itself. And so, this so-called awakening has presented itself in almost any situation you can imagine. Mm. And yet, there is no tradition, there's no approach, there's no method that will guarantee that it will happen. Mm. Because the whole thing is simply 
uh, an expression of nature. It's simply an expression of existence. The only thing that anybody can ever do is be the apparent body, the apparent need, the apparent interest, and the apparent concern that's being presented by nature in any particular moment. Listening to the Urban Guru Cafe, our guest, Daryl Bailey. There's so many ways of pointing to this. I mean, most of the time, these traditions seem to hang on to words like pure consciousness, which I find very <laughs> misleading. Yeah. It's just so odd. Like, if, you know, there seems to be some sense of a difference of, uh, uh-huh. between the word consciousness and the phrase pure consciousness oh, but yeah. that sense of clarity between that between those two terms doesn't seem to exist very commonly anymore and whenever the word consciousness is being used it's almost inevitably interpreted as personal consciousness mm. whereas the term pure consciousness was meant to just really point to the totally indescribable event of this moment yeah. there's no way of saying what any of this actually is you had originally asked about, you know, is there any pointer that really uh, stands out? And yeah. that was really it. I mean, again, in my apparent storyline, I mean, at 14, when I first read Jiddu Krishnamurti, the only thing I really understood of his was that he said, if you want to learn about life, then watch it flow. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize at that point that, you know, if you just watch the flow, after a while, there it dawns it seems to dawn that the watcher is flowing too and the watching is flowing and there is only this unformed event presenting itself and it becomes incredibly difficult to define it in any way and eventually it does become uh, absolutely impossible to define it the storylines still arise but they themselves just become a totally incomprehensible event and uh, or inexplicable event. I don't really care for the word incomprehensible. It's inexplicable, indefinable. I find myself drawn to more. It's interesting because the way you talk about it, you're very focused on the movement, whereas often with a lot of teachers or people who point or talk about this, they usually draw your mind to the stillness rather than the actual movement. I know, and it's, it's interesting. It's two different ways of approaching the same thing because mm. movement, constant movement, is simply the constant absence of form. Nothing ever changes in movement. Because movement is the absence of form. Uh, and this is again, this, you know, here's the, the, one of the difficulties with language is that we get stuck on the description mm. and, and we don't look at what it is that's pointing to. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, anyone who has an apparent interest in this stuff simply points in whatever way they can. But the descriptions are never important. They're merely pointing to an event or a happening, you know, some people use the word presence, 
Mm. Uh, like I don't care for the word presence because every night this whole sense of existing disappears and then reappears. So it can't really be something called presence because mm. the sense of presence disappears. Also, my own inclination is to speak to people from their own experience. Like I'm not interested in turning somebody into a meditator. You know, if somebody's interested in exploring their own life experience, we start with what their actual experience has been for a lifetime. And anyone who has apparently lived has the sense that everything is changing. So as we begin with something like that and we sit quietly, it becomes very apparent that the moment is a dance. And then in that exploration at some point, if someone's interested, there can be the consideration that this ongoing movement never changes. It is simply the ongoing absence of form. You know, there just seem to be so many different ways that a person can acknowledge this from their own experience. They don't have to have been a meditator. They don't even have to be interested in spirituality. Mm. If they want to just sit down and explore the happening of their life, they already have all the experience they ever need to acknowledge. Mm. They don't need to go on retreat. They don't need to go into seclusion. Actually, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't put it that way because... Mm. That isn't going to be the hinge point of the so-called awakening. The, that's not going to prompt the awakening, but it may be that they have to go through uh, or appear to go through 30 years of meditation because mm. that's just the expression of whatever all of this is. It expresses itself in whatever way it does. But the moment the so-called awakening occurs, any idea that there was somebody doing something is realized to be a total fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say to somebody, meditate, and I'm not going to say to somebody, don't meditate. I'm just going to say, look, you have to be whatever apparent body, need, interest, and concern you are in this moment. There's no way around that. You just have to be that, and you're already that. <laughs> and whatever it seems to be is already moving on to something else. Yes. To appear to be something else. There's no security in any story because it's going to change any second. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever is appearing to exist in this moment is already gone. It's already moving on to something else. And there's no way to stop that because there is only this inexplicable happening. This, you know, I talk about the movement of everything, but really that's just another way of saying that everything is formless. Mm. So there, there is only the formless event of this moment. And the apparent conflict within all of this is just we always wanted to have a form of some kind. (laughs) We always wanted to um, be something in particular. We want to be able to define it, to understand it. We Mm. want it to be pleasant. (laughs) We want it to stay secure. We want, you know, we want feelings of security to stay. We want, uh, and we want a particular technique for that. But all of that's impossible uh, because uh, the whole notion of form is an illusion.
It is very much like a mirage. I mean, the word mirage isn't chosen just haphazardly, or it doesn't make sense haphazardly. It's, it's the fact that even if you examine a mirage and you discover there's no water there, you still see water, yeah. or it still appears to be water. And if you examine the happening of this moment and it's realized there can't possibly be form, form still seems to be there. And so it's simply the realization that you know what seems to be there is not actually what it is because everyone does have this deeper sense that everything is changing. Yeah. You've been listening to the Urban Guru Cafe. So, Reddy, does uh, Daryl know about the Urban Guru Cafe? Yeah, I, I had a quick look. Like, I work in a warehouse here in Winnipeg, and uh-huh. uh, I'm a shipper receiver in a warehouse. And just before the workday starts, I get on the internet once in a while on the computer there. And so, uh, when your request first came through, I had a look at your site, and so I, I found it interesting. It seemed. It seemed as though the main focus was that you were trying to find the clearest statements of non-duality that you yes. could. Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy that... Uh, yeah, great. And I'm glad that you mentioned Krishnamurti because we've got a few programs up there of him that we did not that long ago. I shouldn't just leave it with him. I mean, Ajahn Sumedho was quite clear. Robert Adams. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time with Robert Adams, but the time I spent with him, I mean, there was a very strong connection. And I mean, throughout this apparent storyline of my life, I could name quite a few of them. And and not all of them really had a strong sense of non-duality, but in some way, it was just very much part of this whole event. I believe in what you say is the undisputed truth. The Urban Guru Cafe is produced in Australia. 